Hello and welcome to Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining me from New York City, where he was at the Knicks-Bulls game on Wednesday night, and I think Philly Bulls the night before. A whole lot of Bulls coming from this. I'll just let McMahon have that lay-in. Tim Bonteps. Hello, Brian. Hello, Tim. Yes, I was at both Bulls games. I saw the Knicks play the Wolves on Monday, and I'm going to see the Knicks and Sixers play Friday night. A lot of, lot of OGN and OB this week for me. And joining us from Dallas, Texas, where he don't remember who the Mavericks beat up on on Wednesday night. Sorry, McMahon. But more importantly, it was at maybe the game of the week, one of the maybe possibly one of the games of the month, if not more, is in Oklahoma City to watch the Thunder beat the uh, Celtics earlier this week. Is Dan McMahon. Howdy, partners. Don't disrespect those scrappy Portland trailblazers like that. Do up wreath. Got ejected from the game last night. All kinds of drama no not really but hey it's good to see you wendy i didn't i didn't hear you earlier this week everything okay no no it is not um <laughs> i apologize for not having a podcast earlier this week and uh if you hear any yelps from me during the show because i had a had a little accident on tuesday i don't know if so, you should phrase it that way people could take that in a lot of directions well i don't know what you want me to say it was i, I it was a slip and fall and i uh cracked my ribs in my back Mm. my god did it hurt and does it hurt and i am coming to you from los angeles where i am getting through shows on a wing a prayer and a handful of tylenol i am not taking anything more sharper but man i was on vacation with my family it was on a boat Mm. the captain of the boat offered me some rum oh you knew it was bad because i broke out in a sweat oh man did you imbibe in any of the rum? No, no, man. I I didn't imbibe in anything for hours on end. So I am absolutely fighting through this. Uh, there's nothing much you can do. You avoid, you know, the uh, C.J. McCollum punctured lung, which I did. You're, you just pretty much got to grin and bear it. <clears throat> so that's what I'm doing. So I apologize for a little bit late. I was in no position to pot on Tuesday, and I'm fighting through this one. So um well, Wendy, they've got these little uh, dispensaries in California. Go in there and buy all sorts. I mean, you know, the little gummies, or they got like chocolate covered this, that, and the others. I mean, just pop a few of those, dull the pain a little bit, feel that California cool, man. Well, I'm very sorry you're not. I'm very, I'm very sorry you're not feeling. Well, I'm very sorry you're not feeling well. But it's it's good to know that you're doing so much strenuous work here, sitting here and talking on the pod. That sure. Well, sure that we'll joke is that joke is fine, but in, in this case, it's actually true. <laughs> sitting down in this chair took uh, a pep talk. So listen, as if talking uh, to Bond Timps wasn't excruciating enough. <laughs> exactly. Now it's so much worse. <laughs> yeah, I was um, I was talking to Kendrick Perkins earlier. I won't tell his story. You know, I don't know if it's public, but he told me about a time where he in his career where he had broken ribs and hit it. And I don't know how you could hide it, but uh, mm. my respect went up. Um, all right, so I'm here in L.A., and um, it's Ooh. sunny, but uh, it's cloudy on the Lakers side of Crypto.com Arena across Only the cloudy? Yeah, well, there's there's storm clouds on the horizon, too. But um, they lose, they lost here on Wednesday night to the Heat. And let me just say, after the Lakers lost the game, and Darvin Ham came in and said, you know, look, we've had all these injuries. Our lineups keep changing. We have no consistency. You know, basically said the injuries were a big factor. It was a hard sell. 
because the Miami Heat started their 19th different starting lineup the same night the Lakers started their 10th. Not to say that the Lakers haven't had challenges. Not to say that um, that they're you know not having uh, you know that they've had no continuity. But it's a tough sell to say that you can't you know that you're you're you've lost eight out of ten or what is it nine out of eleven maybe nine out of twelve now because of injuries when the team across the the court had even more injuries than they did and they handled their business um, well, and, and including Jimmy Butler being out and so when he says you know it's tougher to have multiple rotation guys in and out than one big dog my thing with that is call Pat Riley and say hey. We'll give you Rui Hachimura, D'Angelo Russell, and Gabe Vincent. Send us Jimmy Butler and see how fast the phone gets hung up in your face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not wrong, but it was just a wrong tone. No, no, he is wrong. No, he is wrong. It, it's a lot worse to not have Jimmy Butler. He's explaining how they're 17 and 18, which is what they are going into this Grizzlies game. I'm well, again, to... if we'd said before the season started, that LeBron James and Anthony Davis were going to combine to play, and you got it, you double the games because it's for both of them, right? 65 of the 70 games that they could have been available together to play this year, they've missed a combined five games. What would we have said the Lakers' record was? 25 and 9, 20, mm-hmm. 25 and 10, something like that. 20, you want it 20, 20 and 15, whatever. You would have thought they were going to be comfortably over 500. Right. Instead, they're a game under 500 with Anthony Davis playing fantastic and being healthy. And LeBron James playing fantastic and being healthy. That says all you need to know about the state of the Lakers, which is quite bad. No, listen. They already raised championship banner this season. Everything else is gravy. All is well. Yeah, it complicates the legacy of the in-season tournament um, when um, the only team the Pacers can beat is the uh, Bucks. (laughs) Yeah, but they played them every day, so that's not bad. That's true. Um, And the Lakers have been so awful since then. Um, You know, the thing about it is, the Lakers are just a flat-out bad offensive team, and they've been a bad offensive team now for months. They've played 35 games. They're ranked 24th in offense. They're 28th in three-pointers made. Yeah, they haven't had Gabe Vincent all year. Yeah, they've been out without Hachimura for stretches. But, you know, the problem that they have is they have a team that went to the conference finals last year, which they brought back almost lock, stock, and barrel. The only significant player who's not back is Dennis Schroeder. And they replaced him with Gabe Vincent, and that hasn't worked out. So, okay. But so they have a team that they have seen has been successful, and they have that same – this roster that was successful in the in-season tournament. And so the difficulty for if you're Rob Palenka is I built a team that I've seen do very well but is not performing well. In fact, it's performing terribly. The Miami Heat played 42 possessions of zone – against the the, the uh, Lakers on Wednesday night. And the Lakers scored less than 40 points in those 42 possessions. 42, I mean, he only, Eric Spolster only played eight players. One of them was Kevin Love, who is not, the, is not the world's leading defender. One of them was Duncan Robinson, not the world's leading defender. Another one was Nikola Jovic, who was in the G League a couple of weeks ago. Another one was Jaime Jaquez, who's obviously been great, but is a rookie. Those were two of his starters. First team all-rookie, but yes. They played zone, 42 possessions, and they shot 42%, maybe 43% as a team. It wasn't like they had a hot night. And they won relatively easily. And so you watch that happen. How do you square it if you're Rob Palinka? How do you 
say, I've got this team that I know has been successful, but watch this for 35 games, being healthy with your stars. And by the way, Austin Reeves has been healthy pretty much the whole time. And D'Angelo Russell, he was, he was out for that concussion a little bit. But he's generally, I think the, 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 those four guys who were four of their five starters last year in the spring, they've missed eight total games between the four. Austin, yeah, Austin Reeves hasn't missed a game, and D'Angelo's missed three. Yeah, yeah and so I yeah. would say that people, including us, were a little bit premature with the anointing oil on Austin Reeves. He's a good player. He's not an ascending star. At least he hasn't performed as an ascending star so far this season. I think there was an, uh, an anticipation that after he had a really nice playoff run, that was kind of a launching pad. And look, I thought he was great in the World Cup. I thought he was yeah, and, and great. You know, for for what his contract is, and you know, forget the whole thing of a two way guy made good. For what his contract is, he's still a very good value, but he's not that. Oh wow, they've got a legit number three guy on a really good team type of. He's player. also not the reason that they're seventeen and eighteen. No, the D'Angelo, the fact that D'Angelo Russell's there is a mistake by Rob Blinka. They got lucky last year that they were able to succeed with him. It was ridiculous that they looped Minnesota in that deal instead of just taking Mike Conley. The Timberwolves are very, very happy about that development. D'Angelo Russell's not a winning player. He's never been a winning player. It is what it is. And then, look, the other thing is, they had a pretty fortunate run before the most competitive sweep in NBA history that has that bronze broom up in the rafters. They faced the crumbling Grizzlies. The Grizzlies were a complete mess when they knocked him out of the first round. Cultural reasons, injury reasons, with no Stephen Adams, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, the Warriors, like, give them the respect that, uh, for being a, a team that still has the core of a dynasty in place, but they get to face a six seed in the second round instead of, uh, instead of a three seed. And then, you know, they faced a, when they ran into legitimate competition, the old Nuggets played with their food and put them away four straight games. Well, and they also shot the lights out. I mean, again, like Rui Hachimura had the greatest two month, two you know six week shooting stretch of his career by a significant amount. Austin Reeves shot like forty eight percent from three in the playoffs last year, and and yeah, they got some favorable matchups. It's not to say it was a smoke and mirrors run to the conference finals, but when everybody was out there celebrating the greatest off season in the history of off seasons this summer, it was just waltzing by the fact that this team was already clearly not good enough to play against Denver. Which, if you have LeBron James going into his age 39 season, I would think should be the barrier you're trying to clear is getting to the NBA Finals. They clearly weren't good enough to do that. The guy who arguably might have been the best fit for them from a playoff perspective, Gabe Vincent, who also had a very, very hot shooting postseason run for Miami after not hitting shots in the regular season. He's basically not played because of knee injuries. So if you want to point to one guy and say, well, if Gabe Vincent was healthy, maybe he would help some. Sure. If Gabe Vincent's the reason your team is a game under 500 and tied for 10th in the West, your team's not very good. And ultimately, this team is just not very good. And frankly, it's an indictment of the way the Lakers continually have built around LeBron and AD that we're sitting here yet again with LeBron and AD playing great, LeBron and AD being healthy, and we're sitting here with this team a game well, under 500 and in thing. danger of not even making the play-in. Last year after the trades, they were an excellent defensive team. And when you are a top two or three defensive team and you have LeBron and AD, you can be a good team. And they were a good team. They were a good team after the trades and they were a good team in the 
in the in-season tournament this year. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And so now one thing that has been an issue is that Darvin Ham has elected not to play the starting lineup that they used last year, which was Russell, Reeves, Vanderbilt playing alongside LeBron and Anthony Davis. He's only played them as of this recording three minutes the whole season. Early in the year, he decided that Russell and, and Reeves shouldn't be with each other in the starting lineup. And he best separated them, and they actually started playing a lot better. That was the that was the alignment that they won the end season tournament with, even though Russell never really played well um, for more than a game or two. And so, if they were back to defending in the top three, four in the league, not only would they have more wins, but I would feel a little differently about them. But they just haven't done it. They just well, haven't been able to do it. And Vanderbilt, who's been part of that, has been back for a long time. He was out at the start of the season, but he's been back for over a month, and they haven't been able to. They're, they're tenth in defense. They're, they're you know they're they're better than average, but they're only slightly better their than defense, average. They're not their defense. Their defense is their defense is fine. They're a terrible offensive team because they have a team mostly full of bad offensive players around their two stars. And the fact that they're in the bottom ten with AD and LeBron being healthy is it's sort of amazing. You could have those two guys playing at this level, and your offense could be that bad. And frankly, when those guys are on the court. I was looking at it today. They're under uh, a point positive in net rating with Anthony Davis on the court this year in like 1,100 minutes. And LeBron is one and a half points, uh, has a a plus one and a half net rating in like 1,100 minutes this year. Like with those guys playing great. So that tells you that the collection of players they put around them from Cam Reddish to D'Angelo Russell to Rui Hachimura to Torian Prince to Jackson Hayes to Jared Vanderbilt. It's it's just not a very good team. Well, and you look at the Heat, Chris who Wood. had a bunch of or Christian Wood, of course. You look at the Heat, who had a bunch of guys out last night. Their role players are just better than the Lakers players. Like, and they looked it last night. Well, and and there's there's grumbling about, um, you know, lack of continuity and all the lineup changes and, and this that and the other. Uh, to me, the problem is: are there five starting caliber players on the roster? I think there's three. Right. Well, there's five guys who started in the team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year. I mean, again, you can, you can slap yes, a bunch of asterisks can... on that, but they they did it. They won those they playoff games. They yes, did. they won. They won those series. And what you should have done is look at that and say this was a fluky run in many senses because of the three point shooting, because of to McMahon's point that they got very favorable matchups with a team, you know, Warriors team. They match up great against with their size. A Grizzlies team that was obviously falling apart at the seams at the time. And you should have said, hey, we need to upgrade this team going into next season. We need to find ways to augment this roster, to improve the roster. Instead, the Lakers tripled down on what they had. They brought everybody back. They paid everybody to come back. And then the one, I mean, again, you could say the one addition they added was swapping out Gabe Vincent for Dennis Schroeder, which is more or less a like-for-like swap. Gabe Vincent's more of an off-ball player than Dennis Schroeder. But Gabe Vincent has not played. And again, if the whole season comes down to Gabe Vincent is not playing, that's a pretty flawed strategy in terms okay, of so as, what far, is, as so, far as those five starters that were good enough to go to the Western Conference Finals, they believed in them so much that with their season on the line, trying to avoid a sweep, uh, Jared Vanderbilt was a DNPCD, and D'Angelo Russell got put on the bench and played 15 minutes in that game. So... That's how much they believed in that starting lineup last year. And 
they believed in it so much going into this season that, as you said, they've played a total of three minutes with that group together. Yeah, I'm not trying to suggest that if they all of a sudden started playing that starting five, that they would start winning games. I was just saying that you know they haven't used that alignment. So, okay, we said what what's going on. What do they do now? Well, I have some good news for them. They got the Grizzlies in town. <laughs> you talk about two teams that are desperate for something good happening. The the Mojo's worn off in Memphis. Uh, you know, four straight when Ja came back and one in four since. Um, this would be a a hell of a time for a dominant AD performance against a team that has a massive hole in the middle and that he was pretty dominant against during the playoffs last year. Um, but as far as longer term, you have some ideas. I don't think Zach Levine's solving all their problems. I'll say that. Well, listen, they better beat this Grizzlies team because they've got a homestand with Memphis, and then they've got the Clippers who are obliterating everybody and have Ooh, typically hey. played great against the Lakers. Ty Lue just named Coach of the Month, baby. Well, Kawhi Leonard looks amazing. They're, they're Kawhi playing Leonard, great. real quick, detour. The Clippers have won the last 11 games that Kawhi Leonard has played in. Because he hurt his hip, they ended their nine-game win streak, went two and two in the games he was out, and they've won the games he's come back. In those 11 games, as we record this pod, he is averaging 29 points on 60% from the field, 50% from three, and 95% at the line in 11 games. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, but, he's, he, he's looked like prime Kawhi. He's been great. But they he, Go ahead. He, he's looked like the bona fide superstar that we, we've seen before. The guy who is capable of being the best player on a championship team. Harden is orchestrating everything masterfully. Uh, you know, they made the obvious but still challenging decision, I would say, to slash Russ's minutes and bring him off the bench. And they've been rolling since then. And the Clippers are legitimate contenders. Yeah, they've looked really good. But so this is their stretch at home Grizzlies Friday, Clippers Sunday, Raptors. Tuesday, which we'll talk about more later, but with Emmanuel quickly in the mix with Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, that's not going to be an easy game. Then they play the Suns next Thursday. By then, we'll see if Kevin Durant's back. Then they get the Jazz, who are playing much better in one game on the road. Then they come home on January 15th when everybody's available again to be traded. They play Oklahoma City and then they play Dallas. So, like, that's a stretch where, yeah, there are some winnable games in there, but if this thing hits the skids here, over the next 10 days, you're going to have just an absolute avalanche of noise around this team going into that January 15th date when all these guys can be traded to start making moves and doing stuff. And Man. when you're in a situation like that, you tend to panic and make moves that are not great. And they've got to be pretty careful not to do something rash over the next few weeks. Would, would DeJounte Murray be rash? I don't like the DeJounte Murray fit for the Lakers. I think when you look at because of the shooting, you, yeah. When you look at when you look at where the Lakers are, you've got Anthony Davis and LeBron James, right? You need to surround them with guys who can defend and guys who can shoot. So Levine can do one of those. <laughs> well, Levine can do one of those, and arguably Dejounte Murray can do one of those. I, you know, I think he's a little overrated as a defender. I think no, he needs to get to a team where he's going to be the point guard and have the ball in his hands, which he's not in Atlanta, and he would not be with the Lakers. It would be sort of like the Russell Westbrook fit. He's a better player at this point than Westbrook but it would be a similarly clunky fit. But to me, that's what the Lakers have to be trying to do between now and the deadline is going out and finding players that can fill those three spots 
or if you want to say Reeves is in, is the other guy because of his ability to play off of LeBron and hit shots, and he showed he could do that in the playoffs at a high level, go find two guys you could plug in this, in that lineup with those guys and can defend and hit shots. They mm-hmm. do that. Maybe they've got a chance if LeBron and AD stay healthy to make a little bit of a run and spin things around. The problem is they put themselves in such a hole that if either one of those guys gets hurt, which I don't think they're going to play 75 games each just based off of their history, all of a sudden you could be looking at them not even making the play. Like it's they're right on the cusp of that going sideways if either of those guys miss any time. So Certainly precarious situation to put themselves in. Here's the thing. I know that Rob Palenka is a big believer in Darvin Ham. He is, it was obviously his choice to hire him, which obviously marries you even more to a guy. He gives Darvin huge credit for piloting that team through the struggles of last year. He gives Darvin huge credit for the success that they had in the NCAA tournament this year. And they stuck through some pretty thin times last year, ended up on the other side. Granted, the circumstances were quite different, but they persevered through tough times last year and ended up, you know, in the conference finals. Also, I know that Rob Palinka believes in a defensive-based team built around his two-star players. And that's the team that he built. And that's the team that I think he wants to believe in. So to make any changes to those things, which is what people have watched after 35 games and are either saber-rattling about or outright calling for when it comes to the head coach and to the makeup of the roster, I don't think that the general manager is going to be excited about either one of those paths, especially considering what they've accomplished this year. Secondly... Well, doing something with the coach would just be insane. It'd be a panic this, move. This, this is not, I agree. This is not well, a Darvin Ham problem on I know, any but level. I understand that, but I'm just saying that so people have that info, you know, have that understanding when they hear about that other stuff. Well, I'm just and, saying it would be insane to do something with Darvin Ham. Okay. Well, I'm not implying that they should, just to be clear. I know. I know you're not. Um, the other thing is we now have LeBron starting to have a mood. He doesn't speak to the media. He has a very sort of off energy. Now, he he was questionable with illness, so I don't know how he was feeling, but he has a very off energy performance against the Heat and doesn't speak to the media after the game. Now, there are games where LeBron will skip speaking to the media when there's not much, you know, to be accomplished by doing it. Typically... It's a very very rare occasion, though. Yes, and typically in a blowout win or a low-stress win... Yeah, I think McMahon. You said Luka Doncic didn't talk to the media after they blew out the Blazers on Wednesday night. Right, and I'm not saying that Luka is perfect by those standards. He has improved since early in his career, but yeah, like there's an understanding when you're the face of the franchise, the occasional night off comes when it, it's it's not a night that things are going haywire. When it's not a night that that the locker room spokesman needs to stand up and deliver whatever message is, is going to be delivered. Right. So make of that what you will. So just, you know, put that on the old bulletin board or whatever. Tote board. Silence is deafening sometimes. So those that's the lay of the land there. And in terms of, like, jumping to conclusions on trades, the Lakers have two things to trade. They have Austin Reeves, who is not only has a favorable viewpoint in the league, regardless of whether he's an all-star or not. Right. He has good a very player on a good contract. 
Yes. Right. The other thing that they have to trade is they're 2029 or 30. I think they can. They have one trade. first round pick to trade. Yes, yeah. but it's out far. Like when LeBron's going to yeah. be gone and Anthony Davis is going to be in his late mid, yeah. mid to late 30s. So those are the two things that they have, quote unquote, of value. Uh, I'm not saying that their other players they have wouldn't be desired in trades, but in terms of you making a trade and acquiring something back of any impact, mm-hmm. those are the two things you have. I mean, you never know who, who might end up being available. I don't see somebody on the market now or who I think we can reasonably foresee being on the market before the deadline that I would be interested in, in, in giving a Boston Reeves to get. I, I, just because I don't see somebody who, if you're losing Reeves and bringing in, I don't see somebody who's going to move the needle that much. And again, even though Reeves hasn't, you know, his star has not necessarily continued to rise, um, just the value for him on that kind, you know, he's on a mid-level contract as a, as a you know, he's, he's a quality starter. He's not a star, but he's a quality starter. Well, they also only have three good players. Trading one of them doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Like if you're just, if you're just trying to get to five guys to have a five man functioning lineup that you feel like can compete with anybody, moving one of those three guys out to then try to get three guys back does not seem likely to work. So, well, and you know. that's, that's why Darvin Ham, I think, has been searching through these lineups, trying to ignite somebody that they've got. And that cycling has some of it's been necessity. Some of it's been just straight experimentation yeah. has worn on the team. You can just tell. I mean, they flat out even have said it. I mean, it's not, you don't need super insight. It's worn on the team. Um, okay. Well, the Lakers continue to be a bit of a drama and Sunday could get interesting if the Clippers lay one on them. I could see the beginning of the news cycle on Monday. Well, Monday is big day in football, national championship and, uh, what do they call it? Bloody Monday when all the coaches and GMs get fired in the NFL. Um, Black Monday, I believe. Black Monday. But if the Clippers lay it on them on Sunday, I could see there being some interesting news cycling starting early next week. Um, well, they got they get have another week until January fifteenth when all these guys can be traded. Like that's there's a ten day window right now where they've got a pretty tough schedule. A lot of the games at home and. We'll see where they come out of it on the other side. But if they're sitting under 500, potentially multiple games under 500, on January 15th, there's going to be a lot of banging the drum for go get Zach Levine, go get DeJounte Murray, go get somebody to fix this, quote-unquote. And to McMahon's point, if they do make some move like that, I don't think that's going to be fixing much. Better get the one against the Grizzlies because I don't think you're beating the Clippers. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. All right. Well, Bontemps, you did an interview today with Joe Dumars from the league. I did. He he was he was fired up fired up about something. Uh, what was that about? Well, the Brooklyn Nets, as we talked about last week, tanked the game against the Bucks, and not only have they now lost five in a row since then, they've now lost a hundred thousand dollars because of it. They got fined today, and it was pretty obvious between the fine and between Joe Dumars having a chat with me that the league was trying to send a pretty clear message that their player participation policy is to be taken seriously, and they 
are not going to really stand for teams doing what the Nets did, which is sit four or five players that they deem as able to play. And whether it was part of the policy or not, I don't think it was great that they had, had Mikhail Bridges, Cam Thomas, and Royce O'Neal yes. at the final three quarters of the game. Like that game, yeah. as we talked about last week, was an absolute mockery. And if you go back to before the season started, Joe Dumars did a conference call with me and several other reporters from various outlets, made it very clear. And this is, you know, Joe Dumars, an old school guy. The league, you know, Adam Silver's had this ridiculous back to basketball slogan this year, which sort of begs the question, why are you having to get back to basketball? You're the commissioner of the league. But that being said, the message from them has been from the beginning, this is an 82 game season. We want everybody to be focused on trying to play every game as much as possible. They have this in-season tournament they wanted people to play. And for the Nets to come out and just lay down and sit half their team in a game they could potentially win, it didn't sit well with them. <clears throat> and as Dumar said, if I'm just cutting to the chase, if you're going to sit out four players at one time, that's going to violate the policy and it violates the spirit of what we're trying to do here. I think that in a nutshell sums up why the Nets were fined and why he made it a point to speak to it on top of it. I tell you what, Cam Thomas has not recovered from sitting out those last three quarters. What do he do? He, he go take an ice bath for the last three quarters because he has been freezing cold since then. Has he hit a right. shot since then? I don't believe he hasn't hit many shots. He certainly hasn't hit any of the last couple games. I was going to say, I think he's 0 for the last three games. I mean, he's Is been he? he's been bad. I think it was over eleven the last game. I mean, look, they've lost five games in a row, beginning with that Bucks game. You know, Mikael Bridges, who's played every game he's played, going back to like could play going back to like high school, pretty publicly fought back against the idea that they should sit guys out after that Bucks game. They've they've now gotten fined this way. I mean, it's just been a, a really embarrassing week for them. And now they get to come home, and for the first game since they play the Bucks, they have the, the, the Thunder coming in uh, Friday night after losing um, losing Wednesday night to the Hawks after that huge win on Tuesday against the Celtics. Jackson says that Cam Thomas is 0 for his last 18. Which for 18 over the last couple games. Across yes. the last well, couple on, games. Only two games without making a bucket for a certified bucket getter. Yeah, so not, not good times for the Nets all around. But look, the, the league – Clearly made it a, a focus to try to get guys to play more this year and to try to get away from all these, you know, mass resting games like the Brooklyn Nets did last year mm -hmm. in Indiana when they sat eight guys. And I believe they got fined after that, too. Um, and, you know, I think in general, the league is happy with where the policy has gotten to and how teams have responded to it. And this is the first time they find a team for it. And we're, you know, what, two and a half months into the season. So, you know, I suspect we're not going to see any more st things like this from teams over the final three months of the year after this would be my guess. Well, that's what they're trying to accomplish. <laughs> Certainly are. They're trying, yeah. You know who's pretty happy about the uh, way things are going in Brooklyn right now? The team that just beat them, the old Houston Rockets. Oh, I know it's not a great draft, but hmm, that pick is creeping right on up in the lottery that they owe Houston this year, unprotected. Yeah. Well, a lot of things going a, well in Houston right as now. A veteran, Houston, as Houston a veteran, ahead of the Warriors and the Lakers and the Suns in the West standings right now. By the way, uh, I don't. I guess those Chinese fans are still alive on the Rockets because Alperen Shingun got more votes for the All Star team in the first batch of uh, 
uh, voting, uh, all-star voting than Victor Wembanyama or Chet Holmgren. Well, or maybe there's just a lot of very smart fans out there. Voting. I was going to say, hey, maybe they, maybe people are watching uh, basketball and realize. Well, I don't. The Vic- all-star voting is never implied. Oh, listen, I never basketball. question the fans' wisdom, the fans' basketball <laughs> IQs. I thought the year that Zaza Pachulia almost made it, he was phenomenal for that first half of the season. Yeah, well, um, anyway, Alperen Shingun, uh, I've got more votes than Victor or, uh, or Chet, which, by the way, he's played better than Victor or Chet. He's played better than Victor. Chet's an interesting d- discussion, but Chet's awfully he's, good. He's got he's a big. I know. Well, you know how I feel about Chet, but you know he's got a big role for them. Anyway, um, Chet's in the defensive a, player of the year conversation for sure. The, the Rockets are uh, drastically improved defense with Shingun on the floor, which give him credit. But uh, <laughs> that in the floor is pretty drastic difference. When it comes to drafts, a veteran executive once told me. You don't you don't got to get the whole draft right. You just got to get your pick right. So keep that in mind as you as we head down the stretch on what could be a quote unquote bad draft. Well, we've also um, said a bunch of times, just real quick on Chingun and Holmgren. I mean, there's definitely a world where both of them could be on the same team. And one of the real what ifs in recent memory is if the Thunder had just kept the pick that became up here in Chingun, it didn't trade it for a couple protected picks that they then turned into Ushman Jang the next year in another trade. And if they just had him and Chad Holmgren together right now, it would, it would look pretty good. I agree. Obviously, but the Thunder... You don't obviously get everything right. I'm not saying the Thunder should be tarred and feathered. It's just a fun hypothetical to think about. The The Thunder have done pretty good. Uh, I agree. We'll see. Although they they had an incredible run of wins. So they beat the Nuggets twice, beat the, beat the uh, uh, Wolves, beat the Celtics in a high-quality game at home, and then second night of a back-to-back they Second half of back-to-back with uh, some mechanical issues with the flight in between, a little 5 a.m. check-in at the hotel. Is and, that uh, right? I didn't see that. The first few quarters, oh, yes. That's the uh, kind of information that would be helpful to a better, not that I would recommend. Yeah, I, I didn't know hear about that until after the game. i tell you what, though, uh, going down a little bit of a tangent here, but uh, the comeback, you know, they, they can't – I forgot how much they're down, but they came back and they had a chance to tie it up at the end. And the LinkedIn coach, old, old Mark Dagonal, he drew up a hell of a play. Got Isaiah Joe, pretty clean look on a corner three. And uh, I I like the odds of him taking that shot. Didn't go in, but... Well, uh, the crazy thing about that, by the way, uh, Jalen Johnson is back from his... It was a wrist injury, right, from the uh, Hawks? I believe that's accurate. Uh, shoulder? Call it oh, an injury. <laughs> he was hurt. It, it was somewhere below, anyway. it was somewhere below the neck and above the toe, but he's <laughs> he's looked really good. Anyway, he's a spectacular young talent. Um, but uh, on yeah, that play, by the on that play, by the way, the Thunder threw the inbounds to the to, to underneath the basket. They were down by three, and the yeah. Hawks elected to guard them underneath the basket, which freed Isaiah Joe for the three pointer. <laughs> uh, I know we're talking about a shot that got missed, but um, it was also was good execution by one side and pretty bad on the other side. Yeah, everything but the make. Uh, anyway, speaking of the Thunder, McMahon, you were uh, up there for that game uh, with the um, with the Celtics. Uh, high level basketball played that night. Um, no shame, in my view, winning or losing on that one. I I still don't think that the Thunder. They don't rebound well, and I think that they're, you know, Pat Riley always says no rebounds, no rings. 
And I, Pat Riley's right most of the time. Maybe not all the time, but he's right most of the time. And they still have a whole lot of inexperience. Yes. But, so I don't really think that this is their year. But if you told me that that was a possible finals matchup, I wouldn't say it was impossible. I sure tried to squeeze out some answers from the Thunder about whether they think, you know, that that they can be that team as soon as this season. And that boring ass bunch has no intention of engaging in that conversation. Sam Presti's got them. Sam Presti's got them schooled. Yeah, but it's not even that. Like that's not how Shea Gillis Alexander is wired. No. He's, asked, he's he's doing half naked uh, commercials, but he's he's not really colorful in his interviews. If you ask Shea Gildas Alexander about anything, he's going to talk about work ethic. He's going to okay. talk about work. That's what and that and you know what? They're boring as hell. That's not a bad thing. It's a challenge from a marketing perspective, and I think it will be a challenge for the NBA because I listen. They're going to have to figure out a way to market the Oklahoma City Thunder because we're talking about a team that is is opening up a window that has a chance to last by NBA standards a really long time. I don't know what all it's going to look like around them. Sam Presti's pretty damn good at his job. And I know Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to be there for a while. I know Chet Holmgren's going to be there for a while. And I know uh, J-Dub, Jalen Williams is going to be there for a while. That's one hell of a core. And you know who they are? They are the anti-Grizzlies. You know, the Grizzlies – and the Grizzlies still have a really good young core. We'll see what happens with them. But, you know, for the last couple of years, they've been the best young core in the league, and they've been the most premature celebrating team in the league. They're, you know, fine in the West. And, you know, I mean, they're just that, like, it struck me the other night as I'm trying to just get Chet or Shea to say anything remotely interesting about the big picture trajectory of this team that is clearly ascending toward contender status and might already be there probably a little early on that but they might um and they are just you know and tumbleson their pr guy who grantland rightfully ripped years ago just proud as could be about the, how they're just sitting up there drinking milk and being boring yeah, i tell you what were they really drinking milk no, but they might as well be. They might as well be. Well, that's the thing. Um, I couldn't rule that out. <laughs> but you, like you could see with Chet, like you could see there. There's a split second thought of being no, like, Chet, that would make them. But then he's the like, thing. nope. Chet it, can talk. If Chet is wired, I know. I know enough to know that if Chet wants to, Chet could really say some stuff. But he's a little bit. He's not interested in the media game. Also. Jalen Williams, J-Dub, uh, he also is a thoughtful, potential loquacious guy. So yes. he – both of those guys have possibilities, but they – they're, 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 they're programmed and they're, and they're, and they're with the program. Um, and, you know, Chet's talking about we played 32 games. we got 50 to go, a lot of lessons to learn. We had Boston tonight. We have Atlanta tomorrow. We're focused on Atlanta. I'm like, good Lord. It's Belichickian. But like I said, I, I think as as much as we're sitting there rolling our eyes, thinking, "Good Lord, where's our headline?" <laughs> you know, I, like you don't have to worry about the mentality. You don't have to worry. I don't think with this group about what's going on after midnight. Like this is a team that is about their business, 
and all the cockiness and arrogance and stuff, it, it ended up blowing up in the Grizzlies' face. I don't see that coming down the uh, going down that way for the Thunder. And again, I think that the the league and to a certain extent the media we're going to figure out ways to market a team that's not interested in in saying well, anything. That's I know. Just watch Shea Gildas Alexander play. He's so smooth. He's one of these guys who's who never looks like he's in a hurry. Now, you know what's interesting, though? He is obviously a phenomenal player. I love watching him play. He's not a highlight machine, though. Like, John Morant's an Instagram sensation because two or three times a game minimum, he's going to do stuff that is just makes Shea you Shea plays wrong. below the rim. Yeah, Shea is just, like you said, it's, he's a weird combination of smooth and herky-jerky, <laughs> you know? And like the guy, he slithers and he slithers right. wherever he wants to go. That's right. And he can do it at 100 miles an hour. He can go from 100 to zero. And, and you know, he, the way he changes speed, the way he finishes, the I mean, he's, his mid-range game is lethal. I mean, he, he's an – like I love watching him play, but I don't think that he's – I don't think his game necessarily is super uh, – marketable for the highlight. No, it, no. when you compare him to Jaw, certainly not. Everybody well, Luka's like, Luka's not gonna, the same. You know, Luke is going to have like all the no look passes and all that stuff. He's not, there's not a lot of flash in his game. There's just a ton of skill and efficiency. Got I would much winning. rather watch winning play in his than Luka. Luka yeah. is way too much baiting of the opponent for Luka. I mean, he does it. He's good at it. Listen, that's one but, of the things I really love about him. <laughs> There's way too much baiting of the referees. That's one of the things that's well, it's the cut, it goes hand in hand. Yeah, that he needs to cut back on. But I, I'm a man who enjoys a little bit of trash talk. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Um, You're also a man who enjoys clutch play, I believe. Oh, and we have turned the calendar to a, not just a new month, but a new year. But you know what that means. It's time for the Cojones Player of the Month. More Hoop Collective Podcast after this. Cojones Factor Player of the Month for December. Hey, speaking of arrogance gone too far, speaking of trash talk, Dylan Brooks, I can only get him an honorable mention because it was a moment in time. Just a, It was really just that one night. But his return to Memphis where he says he never plans to lose for the rest of his career. <laughs> the man came in, he had some kind of funky like designer mask thing going on, like ski mask. I don't know what was going on with that, but stunk it up in the first half, scored 24 points after halftime, hit the a dagger three, the exact kind of shot that Taylor Jenkins used to go crazy telling him not to take, hit that to uh, put the Grizzlies out of the misery that night, wore a wild outfit, and then, like I said, post-game said, <laughs> I'm never going to lose in Memphis for the rest of my career. So could only get him a, an honorable mention, but I did want to give Dylan Brooks a shout-out. My old pal Dylan. Haven't talked to him in a while. So not since like midway through that uh, first-round series. But anyways, neither here nor there. Something else uh, happened in that first-round series. got distracted. Yeah, he, he, did, he did some he bear He's doing poking. some poking. Yeah. yeah, and then he wasn't as interested in chatting with, with – uh, me in particular, much of the media after that. Um, anyways, hey, we just gushed about a gentleman 
named Shagos Alexander. Old SGA. Honestly, there weren't a whole lot of clutch moments for the Thunder because they were kind of mowing teams down last month as, as they went uh, 10 and 3 in December. But they had a few. And one of those was against the defending champions in Denver on the road. SGA, we talked about that lethal mid range game, baby. Just rose up, knocked down the buzzer beater. And so he's going to get the bronze here. 17 clutch points, 7 and 9 shooting in 19 minutes. They went 4 and 1 in those games. Jeez, and, you know, that's the bronze? I mean, listen, there's a lot of stuff going on last month. You know, we, uh, we we can't get enough of those blue chews, baby. We're just gushing about the Thunder, despite Tomlinson just hating every every chance he gets. Grantland.com had that right, I'll tell you that much. Anyways, all right. The silver. Grant, he making, he's making multiple Grantland references. Because Tomlinson hates when I do it. And you know me. If I, if I sense a weakness. Next time oh, you're oh. at a Thunder game, there's going to be a, a, a carton of milk sitting at your, at your table. <laughs> It'll be sour. It won't be cold, though. It'll be sour. <laughs> I would not put it past those boys. <laughs> the silver. You guys might be familiar with a gentleman by the name of Stephen Curry. I've and heard of him. Boy, oh boy, were the Warriors in desperate need of some clutch Steph performances. How much did they need that dagger that he hit against the Celtics last month? When dagger, it was it was a it, I don't even know how you describe it. It was the the highest arcing shot that's been made in the NBA this season. I haven't checked that, but I'll bet it's still the case. Yes, and fellas, Steph led the league in clutch scoring last month. Oh, by a lot. He had forty five. Nobody else had thirty. 45 points in 37 clutch minutes, shooting splits of 52, 47, 89 in those situations. And you tell me, how the hell did he not win Cajones Factor Player of the Month? No kidding. Oh, my God. You know, the Warriors were only four and six in those games. That's part of it. A part of it, fellas? Boy, 10 clutch games in a month, that doesn't sound good. (laughs) Listen, it's down to the wire every night. (laughs) They're just scuffling to, to, to have a shot down the stretch. But part of it, gentlemen, is, uh, you know, cojones means that can, mean, means. That, that can mean things ain't going well and, you you know, you find a way to, to rise to the occasion. I oh, would my say, God. I don't believe it. I would say, uh, what you, you don't believe what? Go ahead. Who do you think this is? No, go ahead. Any guesses? Bond tips? I, I don't have any guesses, no. I'm, I'm very curious to see who it's going to be. Every once in a while, you cover a game, and at the end of the game, this is who just, I thought. I you, I can't believe it. Go no, ahead. Listen. Every once in a while, you cover a game, and at the end of the game, you are just sitting there staring in shock, mouth, and what the hippity hoppity did I just watch? Amazing. I had one of those moments, ladies and gentlemen, or there's no ladies here, gentlemen. Had one of those moments. There's no gentlemen either, fellas. Had one of those moments in New Orleans on December 19th when John Morant, just before shouting how he kept receipts as he trotted off the floor, returned from his suspension. And, fellas, I've got a lot of respect for Herb Jones' defensive prowess. Mr. Morant absolutely roasted Herb Jones the entire second half half 
of that game. The Grizzlies were down 24 in the second quarter, stormed all the way back. And how did it end? In unforgettable fashion. Space the floor. Give Ja a runway. Oh, you think he can stop me? No, sir. Here's a spin move. Little layup. Whoop, the first game-winning buzzer beater of Ja Morant's career. And uh, they had another comeback win a few games later in New Orleans. Um, plus 11 and 14 clutch minutes, 3-0 and in those games. 13 points, 5-7 from the floor. And one of those five was one of the most unforgettable shots of the season. Ja Morant, hey, I, and I, I wonder, I said, can a guy be eligible for the Cajones Factor Player of the Month if he was suspended for over half of the month. And listen, when the NBA gave him Player of the Week fresh off suspension, I said, you know what? If they're okay with it, so am I. John Morant, those brass balls stuffed in the net are coming your way. I'm going to Memphis next week. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that out loud. <sighs> and I'll if, if, if we can get them in time, I'll deliver that. Deliver the That right there brass balls. is a brass receipt. Bontemps. That's right. It's it's certainly headed to Memphis. Just like so many packages on FedEx headed to Memphis. I thoroughly enjoyed that presentation of the Cajones Factor Player of the Month. I was raptured. It was very impressive. You you seem disappointed. You seem disturbed that I would dare to give it to Mr. Morant. Listen, man, it's your award. You've created it. You can do whatever the hell you want with it. (laughs) I I just don't know if I'd have given it to the guy who was suspended for the first 25 games of the season. But Listen, it's not my award Cajon- to give. It takes Cajones to come back from a suspension with that kind of that kind of confidence. I can right. say. Listen, I, you can't argue with that. You can't argue with that. All right. I'm going to go out there and try to score some drugs on the street. Just kidding. Dude, it's legal in California. Just go to – they got those little things. I know. I don't like – yeah, but I don't know where – first off, I don't, know, I don't know where to start. I'm going to limp in there. I mean, what am I going to – Anyway. Give me a call. I'll walk, FaceTime me. I'll walk you through it. <laughs> Is that right? I uh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure I can trust you. You know, empirically in this. <laughs> I'll have. I'll have. I'm little doubt. Floating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you certainly will. <laughs> You'll be trying to fly out the hotel window. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Thank you for uh, listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Thank you, to Jackson and Parker, our producers. And uh, I'm going to try to get through the weekend. We'll see how I feel by Monday. But it's um, it's a rough go of it. Thank you for your, I'm sure, your thoughtful wishes. And you know, no one will make fun of me for falling down in a boat. By the way, I'm just going to be honest here. I was getting on the boat. Oh, okay? so you it had to go not the, rough whole, seas. the whole boat ride. You're just in excruciating pain. I was getting on the boat. What kind of shoes were you wearing? It was... It was not because of the shoes. Were they fire? They were not. They His were not. His chest was uh, on fire because he fell into the pole. It was my okay. back. Oh, my God. Whatever. I was getting on the boat. That's mm. all I'm going to say. Mm. I was not on my feet. And then I was on my you-know-what. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening to Hoop Collective. I'm going to go grunt and moan. Have a good weekend. Lo siento, Wendy. And adios, amigos. 